I just need more of you, and I'm just going to pray that you'd fill this place with your presence, and uh, that you would be near to us and close to us, and that we'd want to just seek you out just a little bit more this morning. And so we're going to ask you for that, and pray that, that Jesus, you would, you would meet all of our needs. And we pray this in your name, Lord, we love you. Amen. Good morning, Adam Brock. Happy New Year. How many of you uh, stayed up, watched the ball drop, stayed up to midnight? We got some <laughs> late-nighters. How many of you just said, you know, it's midnight somewhere in the world <laughs> and went to bed early? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that. I get that. Uh, let me just say, if you're a guest, uh, we are so glad you're here. If this is your first time, just sit back, relax. So glad that you chose to make uh, Edinburgh uh, your, your place to, to worship this morning. Uh, if you're watching online, hey, we're glad that you're with us as well. Glad you're tuned in. And uh, I just want to take a second to just say a couple things. Um, first off, I want to let you know that our, our worship uh, pastor interim, Amanda Miller, uh, you've probably noticed she's been a little pregnant up here, okay? Uh, she went into labor this morning. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're happy for her. I want to ask you to just keep her in prayer. Keep Justin in prayer. Uh, you won't see them for um, several weeks uh, as we give them a break, but uh, just keep them in your prayer during this season. And then uh, I do uh, also just want to say thank you, Edinburgh Church. I mean, just thank you. Thank you. 2018 was an incredible year. Okay, we, we did, we experienced record numbers in just about every area of ministry around here. Uh, I, I, I can't say thank you enough to all of our volunteers who pull that off. It, it does take an army, as Pastor Josh was said. I mean, we're talking about 130 plus volunteers needed on Wednesday nights around here. Uh, our Awana ministry just growing and expanding, uh, our, our youth ministry growing and expanding. Thank you for all that you do. Uh, December was an incredible month. Uh, record numbers. We had our, our, our biggest giving month in Edinburgh Church's history in the month of December. I want to say thank you for that, Edinburgh. Uh, we didn't just meet our budget. We exceeded uh, our budget. Okay, And so I, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, but, but also, just keep being faithful, please. <laughs> all right? Be faithful because it is going for a good, good, good purpose. The number that I'm the most excited about is what you just heard in the last three months, 71 first-time decisions for the Lord. And what you need to understand about that, we've actually had much more. We're, we're only counting the adults who, when they text in and let us know they've made that decision, who then follow up and give us follow-up information. We're not counting everyone. We're only counting those who we can then get a hold of and can give them next steps so we can help them start growing in the relationship with God, because that's the mission of our church. We want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so just thank you, thank you, Edinburgh, um, for following God's leading on all of this, and we do give all glory to God. Last, uh, or two weeks ago, at one of the Christmas services, I did talk to a young man. He's probably a young 20-something. Uh, he gave his life to the Lord at one of our services, and he came up, and, and I got to talk to him a little bit. And I just found out that he'd come from just a place of brokenness. Grew up in a broken family. Uh, didn't think there was a lot of hope for his life. He said, I, I found a sense of hope here at Edinburgh Church. And uh, I, I want to I put this guy to the test, so to speak. And I want to live this out, is kind of what he was saying. And as he walked away, I found myself praying for him. And, and I found myself 
then praying for all those who made a decision at our Christmas services. In fact, I found myself praying for all of us, and here's specifically what I was praying. I know that at some point in our Christian walk, right, because when we become a believer, we can be filled with the sense of joy. You could see the joy in his face. We can be filled with the sense of hope, new beginnings, that life is going to be different. But I, I also know this. I know at some point we're going to hit a bump in the road. At some point, there's going to be this major challenge, there's going to be this hardship, there's going to be this crisis in our life. And my prayer was, when that time comes, that this young man and that the rest of us would persevere through that. And that rather than run from God, we would run to God. And that kind of brings us into what we're going to be dealing with in this this new series, which we're calling Experiencing the Goodness of God. We're going to be studying the book of 2 Corinthians and working through the book of 2 Corinthians And one of the major themes of 2 Corinthians is is what do we do in times of suffering? What do we do as believers when we hit those bumps in the road? In fact, this series, it's based on something the Apostle Paul says in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. He says this. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. He says, we are perplexed. I want you to think about that for a second. This is the Apostle Paul, and what he's saying is, we don't always understand why God allows certain things to happen in our life. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. We don't always understand God and what he's allowing to happen. We don't always understand what we're supposed to do next in the midst of our crisis. But he also says, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. That's what the series is about, and I just, my, my vision and my hope for this series is that you and your family, what if when those hardships and difficulties arose in your life, in your home, you could actually experience God's goodness in that and grow in your faith rather than have your faith wane? What if you could stand strong? What if you could stand your ground and trust and have a confidence in the goodness of this God in the midst of whatever you're going through? That's what we're going to be talking about. This letter, 2 Corinthians, that we're going to be studying, uh, we know quite a bit about uh, the the city of Corinth. It was a wealthy city. It was uh, also a very worldly city. I think we have a picture uh, of where Corinth is located. Uh, It's it's located in modern-day Greece. This was a very affluent city, Uh, and there were a lot of temptations for the young Christians here in, in Corinth. And the Apostle Paul, who planted this church, he writes his first letter to the Corinthians because he's got to straighten out these Christians. Um, You know, they've come to the Lord, but they're dealing with all kinds of temptations in the city of Corinth. We know that uh, in one case, uh, the, the Christians there were getting drunk during communion. Can you imagine that? So Paul has to correct this. Uh, we know that some were denying the, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, who had actually experienced the resurrected Jesus, he has to deal with that. Uh, we know in one case, a man was actually sleeping with his stepmom, having sexual relations with his stepmom. And so Paul writes the letter of 1 Corinthians to deal with this, to say, church, this is not how we're supposed to live as Christians. He still calls them brothers and sisters in Christ, but he wants to correct the way they're living. You know, one of the things that I I do love about the Bible is that it deals with these topics like marriage. It deals with topics like sexuality. It deals with topics like our finances. 
Uh, it, it deals with these topics. Now, none of those things, right, are relevant to our lives, right? I mean, of course, I'm being sarcastic here. Uh, the Bible is very relevant. If you ever hear someone say, you know, the Bible's not relevant, I guarantee you they've never read it. The Bible is very relevant for our lives. It deals with all kinds of issues and questions that we're dealing with today. One of the second reasons I love the Bible, though, is just its historicity. You know, the, the Bible deals with real people in real places and real events that took place. In fact, here's a kind of a glimpse from uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. He says this in 1 Corinthians 16, just kind of give you a glimpse how real the Bible is. Paul tells the church there, he says, When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, and perhaps I will even spend the winter with you. Priscilla and Aquila, together with the church in their houses, they send you hearty greetings. You hear this? This is a letter to real people that Paul's writing from a real place and talking about his travel plans. One of the things that makes Christianity unique and just the Bible unique is that, you know, you study these other world religions, and what you often find is that they're based on one person who had some kind of vision. You know, for example, Joseph Smith, he saw these crystals, apparently, and he had this vision, and so he wrote the Book of Mormon. Muhammad was in a cave, and he had a vision, and so he wrote the Quran. Buddha was under a tree, he had this vision. But, you know, Christianity, it, it's based on this book, the, the, the Bible, and when you, when you study the Bible, what you find is that despite the fact that it's, it's 66 different books written by 40 different authors over a period of thousands of years, over, written over two different continents, it all tells this unified single story about how God is saving the world through Jesus Christ. And it uses real places, and, and it talks about real people, and real events that happen throughout history. In fact, archaeologists have used the Bible, if you didn't know this, to go to places the Bible talks about. They've started digging, and sure enough, they found monuments, even cities, that the Bible said and talked about. And so we know a few things about um, the, the city of Corinth, and we, we, we also know why Paul wrote this letter there. He has to write a second letter to, to the Corinthians because false teachers have infiltrated the church, and they've begun teaching that if you just have enough faith, if you just have enough faith, you're not going to experience, you know, suffering. You're going to have wealth, and you're going to have health. But of course, this undermined the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a church planner. Uh, he was poor. He supplemented his income uh, by, by making tents. Didn't have a lot of money. He wasn't always healthy. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been beaten for his faith. He had been whipped for his faith. In one point, he had been stoned. Now, just to be clear, that means people had thrown rocks at him. Just trying to clear, yeah. They actually thought he was dead. He wasn't. He survived that. This was a man who didn't um, always have health. And so Paul writes the second letter to the Corinthians because he's going to talk about suffering. And he's, going to, and he's going to teach them that Christians do experience hardships and difficulties, but that we can experience God's goodness and faithfulness through it all. Now, there's still teachers today that are teaching that if you just have enough faith, you'll experience health and you'll experience wealth. Um, and, and I know 
that some of you, maybe you've wondered about that. The problem is, I know just as a church, some of the suffering we've experienced just in the last year, even though 2018 was a great year, there's a lot of suffering that took place here at Edinburgh Church. I know about people who, who lost loved ones, people very close to them, spouses at far too early an age, parents at far too early an age, children. There were miscarriages. I know about relationships that were broken up. I know about even smaller things, about people who had a criticism that cut them to the heart and they still haven't gotten their confidence back. There was just a lot of pain and things that took place. And when these things happen, the tendency is to wonder, what did I do wrong? God, do you really love me? God, do you really care about me? Because if you do, why would you allow this to happen? But here's kind of the bottom line of this message this morning that I want you to hear. Suffering is not a sign of God's disapproval. If you have a handout, you might want to write that down. Suffering is not a sign of God's disapproval. The Apostle Paul, he says this in chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. He says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, he does not waver between yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Now, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that if you're a Christian, we all have struggles. But God isn't looking at you saying, you know, maybe I'm going to love you, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm going to fulfill these promises in your life, maybe I'm not. No, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are trusting him to save you from your sin, you can know that all of God's promises are yes to you. Uh, in the fall of 2001, I proposed to my wife, Danielle, and I'm going to admit to you right from the get-go, I'm not very creative, and I'm not very romantic, okay? Uh, so I took her out to see a movie. We went to get something to eat, and then we went and saw the movie, and I took her to see Lord of the Rings, okay? I'm not proud about this. Um, yes, I do own a pocket protector. Why do you ask? Um, no. Uh, listen, I'm a nerd, okay? I'll just admit it. Uh, but so is my wife, so we're all good. Uh, but I thought I could play off this idea of the ring. <laughs> Only after I watched the movie did I realize that the ring was like a bad thing. And then it needed to be destroyed, Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I, I take her to see the movie, and I have to kind of change my strategy. I had this park I was going to take her to afterwards, and we were going to go, and there was this river in this park with this bridge. And it was a, it was a beautiful night, full moon, fall night. Uh, it looked kind of like a scene you might see in The Lord of the Rings. And so I take her into this dark park, right? <laughs> which I realize in hindsight probably wasn't the safest thing to do. Um, and then we get, I take her on this bridge, I'm also realizing now that, like, this bridge had those wooden planks. If I would have dropped the ring, we would have never found it. Probably not the best idea. Uh, but I got down on one knee, and I don't even remember what I said. I just know it was something super cheesy. I, I said something like, let me be the Aragorn of your life, and <laughs> you can be my Frodo, or something like that. I, I don't... 
I, I just didn't know it was cheesy. I was trying to play off the movie. But despite all of that, Danielle said yes. <laughs> she said yes. And I was thinking about it, like, what if she would have said no? Man, that would have been one of the most embarrassing. After all that cheesiness, that would have been like one of the most embarrassing things in my life. But she said yes, and here's the reality. I knew she was going to say yes. Okay, she'd been dropping all these subtle hints, like, when are you going to propose to me? (laughs) When are we going to set our wedding date? She'd been dropping all these subtle hints, right? I I had no doubt that my wife was going to say yes to me. And I bring that up because you can know that when you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, God is always going to say yes to you. All of his promises are yes to you. You mean, yes, God, do you really love me? Yes. God, have you really forgiven me of my sin? And have you thrown it into the sea to forget about it as you promise in your word? Yes. God, do you really desire a relationship with me? Yes, I do. Yes. And so this morning, what I want to just talk about and just give, share with you kind of three thoughts about what this means for our life, the fact that God says yes to us, the fact that God cares for us, and the fact that all of his promises are yes, not because of what we've done, and that's very important to understand. It's because of what Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, what Christ has done for us. And so here's the first thing I just want you to see. You can write this out in your handout if you would like, but I don't have to hide from God. I don't have to hide from God. You know, one of the questions this raises, if God really says yes to us, then why do I need to obey him? Why do I need to read my Bible? Why do I need to come to church and worship with other believers as the scriptures teach? Why do I need to do any of these things if he's just going to say yes to me? You know, I didn't have to go through all of that to propose to Danielle. In fact, it did cost me everything I had at that time, the, the dinner and the movie. I was a poor college kid, uh, not to mention the ring. Uh, I didn't have to go through all that. I could have probably just sent her a text message, hey, honey, you want to get married? Uh, she would probably said yes, and I would have just sent her the thumb emoji. and <laughs> Could have. But I wanted it to be special, and I didn't do that. Why? Because I love my wife. I love her. She wasn't twisting my arm behind my back. I wanted to do that. And in the same way, we don't serve God and obey God because he's twisting our arm behind our back or out of fear. We do it because as Christians, we love him because of what he's done for us. I've talked to a lot of Christians over the years who grew up hearing about a God who was angry with them and a God who is, you know, Any mistake they made in life was ready to strike them down with a lightning bolt. But friends, I need you to hear this this morning. That is not the God that we are taught about in the New Testament. That is not the God of the New Testament. In fact, if if you read the New Testament, you come to passages like Romans 2.4, which is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, where the Apostle Paul, the same one who wrote the letter we're studying in 2 Corinthians, he says this. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant, and patient God is with you. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's his kindness that's intended to turn us from our sin. Now, don't get me wrong. God could be angry with us. 
He could strike us down with a lightning bolt if he wanted to, but he doesn't choose to do that. Why? Because he knows if he did, you might fear him and do some of the things he asks you to do out of fear, but you would never love him. And that's not the kind of relationship God desires from you. He wants a relationship with you where you love him because of what he has done for you. I remember one time coming home from work and I saw this salesperson going from door to door selling some stuff. And I got to tell you, I'm like, I'm, I'm a sucker when people come to our door and, and try to sell us stuff. And then, you know, I've spent way too money buying things that we didn't need <laughs> because someone came to our door. And I saw this person come to our door and I was like, oh, no, we're going to spend more money if this person comes to our door. I, I don't know what this is going to be. And so I ran inside and I said, everybody hide. And Danielle kind of hid in the kitchen. The kids were frozen, like, on the, the, the staircase. I was like this against the wall, like, looking over the window. And the poor guy came and started knocking. I'm like, shh, hide. Of course, it didn't work because Callie, our two-year-old at the time, went up to the window and started waving at the man. <laughs> we still never answered the door. It was very awkward. But I tell you that because this is what some of us do with God. We hide. You know, God has already said yes to you. He's already said, yes, I'm going to be gracious to you. Yes, I'm going to be kind to you. The, the, really, the question is, are you going to say yes back? And I don't mean by that you're going to perfect yourself and get perfect overnight because that's not possible in this world. We're in a process of growing in our faith and learning how to overcome certain sins. But friends, you're never going to be able to even start that process if you hide from God. And so my challenge for some of you is, is to stop hiding and running and simply to come to God and say, God, this is my struggle. I don't know if I can give it up right now. This is how I'm coping in life. But God, I want you to know about it. This is the kind of relationship God wants with you, not one where you feel like you have to hide from him. All of his promises are already yes to you. Just come to him and be honest about it. Because friends, that's how you have a healthy relationship with God. Who knows? He might show you something better. He might help you. He might give you a power to change. But it starts with just coming and saying, God, I'm going to open up the, all the doors of my life to you and at least let you see what's going on in my life. Because God's promises are yes in Christ, I don't have to hide from him. But another thought is my pain doesn't have to be in vain. My pain doesn't have to be in vain. Sin isn't the only thing that causes us to hide from God. Sometimes it's our suffering that causes us to run from God because we don't understand why God would allow something to happen. And friends, I can't tell you why God has allowed certain things to happen in your life. I can't tell him, I can't tell you why, you know, he would allow you to go through that divorce or why he would allow you to lose that loved one. I, I can't tell you why God let that abuse happen in your life when you were a child, or to go through that miscarriage. I, I can't tell you why, and that is our tendency. We tend to know, want to know why. But I would tell you that far more important than why is who. Who's going to help me through this? Who's going to comfort me in this? Who's going to give me the strength to persevere in this? More important than the why question is the who question. We see that the Apostle Paul says this in verse 3 of chapter 1. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all 
comfort. Paul had, he was perplexed. He had the why questions, but he also asked the who question, and he knew that it was God who would give him comfort. The Apostle Paul goes on to say this. He says he comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. The reason God wants to help us and reveal himself to us and show us his goodness in tough times is so that we can then comfort and help and bless other people. Some of you, I'd give you this challenge to think, you know, what is the most painful thing that's happened to you in your life? Maybe you even write that down. And then who's somebody who's going through that right now that you could reach out to and that you could comfort? You know, the bottom line is this. My greatest misery can become my greatest ministry. When God is in my life, my greatest misery can become my greatest ministry. Who, who better to help someone who just experienced a miscarriage than someone who's had a miscarriage in their life? Or who better to minister to someone who's going through a divorce than someone who's come out of a divorce? Who better to minister to a veteran who's struggling with PTSD than another veteran who's been there? Friends, you might just find your greatest ministry in this world by reaching out to someone who's going through something that you've gone through. And this is possible because all of God's promises are yes to me in Christ. And he promises to comfort me in my suffering. But this brings us to the last one I want to share with you, which is that God will rescue me. God will rescue me. God doesn't just want to comfort me. God wants to rescue me. The Apostle Paul says this, and I want you to hear this. This is not me talking. This is the Apostle Paul who was dealing with all kinds of problems and challenges. In verse 9, he says, As a result of our suffering, we stopped relying on ourselves, and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is if this God can raise the dead, he has the power to do impossible things in our life. And so then he goes on to say, and he did rescue us from mortal danger. He did rescue us. I want you to hear these definitive statements. And he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Are you hearing Paul's confidence in this? He's suffering, but he is confident. God's done it before. He'll do it again, and he's going to continue rescuing us. Um, as a church uh, in December, maybe started a little bit before then, we, we found out that uh, we were going to have to replace the sprinkler system in the old part of the building. And we started asking for bids, and the cheapest bid came in at 160 grand. Now, I want you to put yourself for a second in my shoes, okay? Put yourself in, in the shoes of the board. You know, this sprinkler system is something you're not going to see, it's something we hope we never have to use. And yet, 160 grand to fix this thing. So we called an emergency board meeting, and how are we going to pay for this thing? What are we going to do? How are we going to finance this thing that we're never going to see, and we hope we never have to use? And so we prayed. And we just said, God, would you provide? We don't know what to do. We're perplexed. We're on a pretty tight budget around here. 
160 grand. How are we going to come up with that money? Did I mention this is something you're never going to see? And we hope we never have to use? And so we're just perplexed. That was Tuesday. On Thursday, we get a phone call. And for those of you who don't know, we have a daycare that they meet uh, here throughout the week. And they called us, and their lease was up at the end of December, so they were going to be moving out. They had plans to move out. But the place they were going to be moving into fell through. And so they needed an extension. And they had two, two choices. They could either lay everyone off from the daycare and tell all the parents their, their kids had nowhere to go, or they could ask us for an extension. And so they asked us for an extension and said, listen, we're willing to pay you more than twice what we've been paying you if you'll let us stay through July. Well, when we add up those dollars, and after some negotiations about the sprinkler system, it's very possible that we're going to be able to pay for two-thirds of the sprinkler system because of the daycare. Now, friends, we were meeting on Tuesday and said, God, help us. And on Thursday, we get this phone call. It's just a reminder to us, our God is a God who can rescue Our God is a God who can save. And I know some of you, you're like, Pastor, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I've been through or what I'm going through. And I don't. But what I do know is that Paul walked in a confidence that despite their situation, he would see the goodness of God and that God would put a new song in his mouth. Now, I want to be clear about something. The Apostle Paul would eventually be killed for his faith. He'd be beheaded after spending time in prison. And so he would die. But I need us to understand, for the Apostle Paul, that was the greatest rescue. Because he was rescued into a place where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, and he got to see Jesus face to face. For the Apostle Paul, this was the greatest rescue. And so friends, I can't tell you how God's going to rescue you, I can't tell you when God's going to rescue you. For some of you, it will be in this world. And for some of you, it's going to be in the next. But here is the bottom line. Your story does not end in defeat. It ends in victory. Because of Jesus, your story ends in victory. We can all confidently say the best for my life is still yet to come if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I'm trusting him to save me from my sins. So this morning, we're going to end our service. We're going to take communion, and we're going to pass the bread. We're going to pass the cup, and keep in mind this represents Jesus being broken and shedding his blood on the cross so that all of God's promises could be yes to us. And as you eat and drink, I'm not going to get back up here. You, you eat and drink whenever you feel ready. We'll have some music playing. I want to give you a couple challenges. First, I want to challenge you, what is that thing that you need rescue from? Maybe it's something big. Finance situation, a job situation, a health situation. Uh, Maybe it's something smaller. Just dealing with someone at work or a relationship in the family. But I want to challenge you, pray and ask God to rescue you. And here's the second thing, because for some of us, our rescue will be life after this world. And I want to give you the opportunity 
to invite Jesus into your life this morning if you haven't done that so that all God's promises can be yes to you. So you can walk out of here today with a fresh start knowing that everything God says in his word is true for your life. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads. Ask our servers to go ahead and get ready. In fact, they can go ahead and come down while I pray this. While our heads are bowed, I just want to read Jeremiah 23, 13. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what God's looking at this morning. Are you seeking him with, with all of your heart? And so I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we do want to seek you out this morning. We don't want to hide from you any longer. We want to open every door of our life to you and say, Jesus, come on in. We don't know if we can change tomorrow. But we at least want you to know about it and we want to ask for your help. Jesus, we're going to ask that you would use the pain that we've gone through in this world so that we could be a blessing and we could minister to others. Maybe we could find pain-driven purpose this week. Put that person in our life, Lord, that we can reach out to and be a comfort to. And God, we need rescue. We all need rescue from something this morning. We just would pray, whether that be a sin issue, whether it be just a life issue that we're suffering in right now, God, we seek you with all of our heart and we just say, rescue us because you tell us in your word all of your promises are yes in Jesus Christ. And some of us this morning, Lord, we need to invite you in for the first time. And so if that's you, know that God hears your heart in this. You just say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm trusting you to save me from my sin. May all of your promises, may they be yes to me now, not because of what I've done, not because of good works, not because of my religion, not because of that, but because of Jesus, your life, your death, your burial, and your resurrection for a sinner like me. Come to my life, Lord, and save me and rescue me from this world. And Jesus, we're going to pray this in your name. Amen.